Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by 90min and sponsored by our friends at ProPrep. I'm Scott Saunders, joined once again by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter too. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU. Rob, uh, Manchester United's game against Brentford has been postponed due to COVID. Um, in the light of everything that's going on, um, how are you? How are you doing in a in a personal sense and in a football sense? How are you? Not too bad. I've uh, I've had a bit of the sniffles or something the last few weeks as well. I've not been particularly well with it, but I think we're going to see COVID moving around quite freely now in in the weeks ahead. No surprise that United have had this game uh, pulled by the Premier League, kind of following the same protocol that we saw with Tottenham. Um, And as we said, Brighton are now showing cases as well. So Manchester United might have two matches uh, eventually postponed. But I just think that with the nature of football and the kind of side of health and safety, these things are inevitable now. We might see Premier League programmes completely pulled in the weeks ahead. We just have to wait and see and see how it goes. But there's no doubt that the, this kind of new variant, the Omicron variant, is spreading quite quickly now. And the models show that it's going to be in our society and something we're going to have to deal with over Christmas. Yes, indeed. So we're not going to dwell too much on the COVID close down and that kind of stuff. As, as Rob said, the Brighton game will potentially be at risk as well with cases in their camp. We won't look at it too much, but obviously our Best wishes go to everybody affected um, and it's going to be a difficult time, especially over Christmas as well with this new variant going around. But on today's show, we'll take stock of what we've seen recently from United in terms of their last two performances against young boys in the Champions League and against Norwich in the Premier League. We'll look at Ralph Ranić and some criticism, it seemed, after the Norwich game of the two tens, Jaden Sancho and Bruno Fernandes, who featured at Norwich. We haven't really seen great performances in the last two games, so we'll dig into that a little bit. And we'll also look forward to, we'll discuss Anthony Martial's future um, after comments from his agent and Ralph Ranić's response to uh, his desire to potentially leave the club. 
We'll also look at Edinson Cavani and some quotes that are going around. You can tell January's coming, I tell you, because uh, there's a there's a few peeps coming out of different camps suggesting that I would quite like to leave the club. There's incoming suggestions as well, all this kind of stuff. We'll look at dream scenarios, ins and outs. I'll be putting Rob on the spot for that. I'm sure you'll enjoy that, Rob. And we'll look at the Champions League draw as well. Um, obviously, the first draw against PSG was uh, was botched in the end. Um United were not in Atletico's pot, I don't think, and they ended up drawing Atletico Madrid second time around. So we'll look at that. That's scheduled to take place in February and March, I believe. So, Rob, let's jump into today's show. Uh, obviously, we've mentioned Brentford is off, Brighton potentially at risk, but let's look back at the last two performances. Uh, you've seen United draw 1-1 with young boys with a massively changed team. Uh, that should have allowed the starting 11 that played in the previous game to get a good amount of rest and prepare for the Norwich game. That came around. United did actually win thanks to a Ronaldo penalty, but the performance was not great, was it? So what did you pick up from the two performances that you've seen uh, last times out? Was there, that they weren't as good, were they? That 30 minutes against Palace seems to be the only real good period of football we've had under Ranić so far. Yes, and I think that that's the kind of comparison tool here is looking at what the Palace um, objectives and performance was like against, say, the Norwich one. So Norwich and Palace this year stylistically are very different teams. That's the first thing to kind of highlight. Palace are playing football out from the back, 4-3-3. On the deck, Patrick Vieira, it's all quite smooth, nice and silky. They're playing some really good football. That's easier to play against when you're gegenpressing, when you're doing the counter press. Much easier because it's all about traps and, and being able to get the ball in certain areas and be able to counter attack. Norwich, on the other hand, when we're not doing this, we're not playing your game, we're going to go a bit longer, we'll hit it in the channels, we'll run you a little bit more, we'll put you in areas where you can't go and do that work. And I think what we saw is that in the in the mind and in the brain, to be able to press. It really is like a way of life. It's something you have to be able to practice over and over and over and over again to get it right. And we saw against Norwich and said also in the Champions League, it's going to be tough. So I've said that, you know, obviously I'm very happy with Ranić in terms of the style and, and the pressing and the stuff he likes to do. Will these players be able to do it immediately? And I think we're seeing that the answer to that is probably no. They might get better at it, and you would expect with more training that they will. But, of course, with COVID, what happens? You're not training. You're not together. You're not all in one space. You're not with the manager. You're not get conveying those ideas into your own ideas of football. And I think that will be the problem maybe now in the weeks ahead for United. Because you saw against Norwich that United just looked confused. Like, they were trying to press at times. Then they were sitting back. They were a bit tired. Then they're getting the ball. Then they're going sideways again. Then they're going backwards again. All the stuff that Ranić has publicly said he does not want his team to do, United started to do it. It was quite interesting, actually. I'll just add to this. Scott McTominay was interviewed before the Norwich game and was quite, you could say, bombastic about his comments about sideways passing. and saying Good word, some... Good word Rob. Good word. Yeah, he, 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 he was like, teams pass the ball sideways, don't they? That's what happens in football. But the problem with Man United is they pass the ball sideways too much. So Scott might well want to still pass the ball sideways, and he did, and so did his teammates against Norwich. 
But you could see the difference between the Norwich match and the Palace match is that Palace was all about vertical passing and pressing and Norwich was about being conservative, maybe keeping the ball a little bit more, but actually they kept the ball worse than they did against Palace. So Ranić has got a big job on to convince his players of how to do it. And this is really going to be the test of the manager now in the weeks ahead. Do you think this issue is potentially a a mental thing or a physical thing? Because you mentioned there that, well, they had a week off. You know, they, had, they essentially had a week off. So it shouldn't really have uh, affected them in the sense of, in, in a physical sense. It was more, it just didn't look like they were following orders. You mentioned Scott McTominay's interview there. I actually thought of that at the same time that you, you mentioned it. And I was watching him kind of intently because it just came out before that game. And he was pretty much... <laughs> it, it, there was no real difference in his performances. I, I saw him pass the ball sideways and backwards a lot. And Ranić has been very vocal about not wanting to see that. So is it a case of, is it a mental thing? Do you think? I think, I think it's a mental thing. hundred percent. I think with football, and, I, and again, it's something that I repeat um, all the time, every season, professional footballers now are the fittest they've ever been in the history of the game. They have sports science on their side they have all sorts of uh, equipment that has worked with them in terms of tracking their fitness levels. And they are elite athletes. Now, yes, it can vary. So if you compare, I don't know, Cristiano against Harry Maguire, there might be fitness differences. If you take a, let's go back to say Dan James, who could run all day before he left Manchester United. If you compare him to um, to Luke Shaw or someone like that, you're always going to get little discrepancies. But it's all about training the brain. And Ranić talks about this a lot. You know, this is what he's talked about. And I think all the top coaches go down this line, that it's, it's a game of psychology when you talk about pressing. It's about triggers. It's about knowing that when someone has the ball or the ball is in the zone, you go and do your work. This Man United team hasn't done that for a long time. I know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, 4-2-3-1, a lot sitting in shape, a lot of ball retention further back in the pitch, less penetration. That's a habit that needs to be worked through because it's a bad habit. So the bad habits were definitely there against Norwich. 100% you could see it. And it was quite, I don't know, when you see it in the flesh and you're expecting something else, it really takes the wind out of yourselves. You're kind of watching and think, oh, here we go again. This is what we don't want to see. And I'm sure all United fans felt that on the day against Norwich. But you can't do it for half an hour against Palace and then like not do it for three games. It doesn't work like that. You have to commit all the time to it. And I just think with the whole, the whole COVID issue now at the training ground, this is where you'd have expected to see progress on a training pitch. And we're not going to see that because you cannot just magic that up. Slight, some of it might be some, there might be some fitness issues with individuals, but I think overall it's more a mindset. This Man United team has to decide that it's now a pressing team and not a conservative side that sits deep. Would have been interesting to see the Brentford game. Uh, we are recording this on Tuesday ahead of when the game was supposed to be. It would have been interesting to see how United dealt with that because if they'd have put that level of performance against Norwich in at Brentford, I think they might have lost that game because you, you see Brentford are well drilled they know what they're doing they couldn't get through that one like they did against Norwich what, what I will say is this is that we do know that Ranić is a great believer in videotape so he's a great believer in giving players information to go away with to chew over 
to to find the psychology around what he wants to do. So I would not be surprised if United are not training this week. These players are sat at home with a ton of videotape. And this manager is not going to say, we'll have some time off. You know, have two, three, four days off. Like Ole might have said, let's take a break. You know, we'll be back in training in two, three, four days. Let's see if you guys have got COVID. I don't think that's happening. I think this guy is going to be saying to them, here's a file, download it onto your computer. This is who we're going to play in these next three or four games. This is how I want you to think. This is how I want you to feel. I want you to kind of taste this air, smell this air, and I want you to kind of implement these things mentally. So that is going to be happening behind the scenes. I think that will be a big difference to where we have been this season and maybe previous seasons, is that this manager is prepared for that kind of stuff. It's the kind of stuff that Klopp and Guardiola do with their their teams all the time, is that there is a conversation behind the scenes about tactics and about expectations that never stops. Whereas I think at United, it was a little bit too stop-start. You know, we talk about Marcus Rashford or Bruno or other players. They've all got bad habits and they need to be stamped out. And this manager will work on them, not just on the training pitch, but I think he'll do it remotely as well. Yeah, Marcus Rashford's performance against Norwich particularly stood out to me, but you mentioned Bruno Fernandes there. Uh, He was one of two players, maybe not named, but I think Ranić came out and essentially criticised the two number 10s. So that would be Bruno Fernandes and Jadon Sancho for not, uh, sticking to his plans. It was quite noticeable that I think Sancho was the first one hooked again. Uh, and it surprised me at the time because I thought Rashford was not playing well at all. Um, and that would have been the second time in a row, I think, that Sancho was hooked before Rashford after Rashford hadn't played that well. But Ranit's criticism, notably, was of the two players in those 10 positions. So what did you make of their performances? I, I'm really worried about Bruno Fernandes. I really am because... Um... I'm just about to write an article about Bruno for 90 minutes so people can read it here at the end of the week. So please go and look at my social media and you'll see that posted uh, towards the end of the week and the weekend. But, you know, Bruno Fernandes is supposed to be the catalyst player for Man United. Like, okay, you've got Ronaldo, but Bruno is supposed to be the guy that came, that saw the challenge at United and was going to rise to it and drag everyone through with him. And that was going to be, you know, that was kind of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's idea. Bruno's performances this season have been poor. He has been poor, consistently poor, making the same errors, the same mistakes and looking as frustrated as I've ever seen him in a Man United shirt. So in the Norwich game, you know, he was highlighted by Ranić after the match about the two number 10s, as you said there. That was part of the function that didn't work because they're supposed to initiate part of the counter press with the two midfielders behind them. And it didn't happen. It just, you know, I I think Jaden looked lopsided, but, but Bruno was just in every position that you didn't want him to be in. And that is an issue if you're the manager. And I think eventually he will just pull these players. He will give them a chance to to carry out his tactics. But if they do not carry them out, I think they go and sit on the bench. I think the wider problem with Bruno Fernandes is that can you play Donny van der Beek in his position and expect the same things? And I think we've already seen that when van der Beek has played under Ranić, he is playing him deeper. He's playing him as a as a pivot. And that is something that Ole preferred. Like Ole kind of put him in the pivot, in and out, and it didn't work. He didn't play, and people got upset. He's not really featured as number 10. And I think that that is where, where this kind of cr- the crux is. Because I think if Donny can show he can do it, then I think Bruno will go and sit on the bench. And that will be crushing for Bruno Fernandes because he's a player who has to play, I think, for his own psychology, his own confidence. But let's be honest, he's been bad. You know, he's been as bad as anyone. He hasn't joined the dots. 
He he hasn't been creative enough. He's running around in all the wrong areas. Pressing is an art form. Pressing is not just about showing that you can run from one side of the pitch to the other. You've got to make sure you're doing it properly. And Bruno certainly at the moment isn't doing it properly. Question on uh, on Ralph. How do you imagine him behind closed doors? Now, we've seen videos of him uh, berating players in, in German. Uh, there was, <laughs> it was one video that's gone around uh, quite frequently. I think somebody posted it um, ahead of halftime at Norwich, uh, and it made me chuckle. How do you, how do you think he'd, what do you think his management is like behind closed doors? Because he's quite calm and like he talks very well about what he's seeing and he's quite informative to fans and this kind of stuff. Um, this is a complete speculation, Rob. I was just in, uh, curious to s- see what you thought. How do you think he's delivering these messages? Is he the type to, to shout at them or is he just the type to, you know, this is my instruction, this is my instruction, this is my instruction. You get three shots and then, you know, you're out. Well, we do know he's really frank. We do know that he kind of says, this is what I want to do. This is what I expect of you. Please go and do it. Now, I thought it was quite interesting. I watched him like a hawk at the Palace game. And he's in a technical area. And he stood in the same corner of the technical area in the far right-hand side, in front of the dugout at Old Trafford. And he didn't move. And he didn't stop coaching. For the 90 minutes, he was just... In giving instruction after instruction after instruction after instruction. Now, of course, he'd only been at the club days at that point, but you can see the intention, and the intention is to implement change. This Manchester United team needs change after the Solskjaer era. That's finished now, and that's gone, and I know that this coach believes that he is now tasked to change these, these things. It's up to him to make sure that this United team performs better and wins more games. So I think we have seen that in the first instance, haven't we? We've seen that United are maybe, even without the performances, are not hemorrhaging goals, getting clean sheets, a little bit tighter, not particularly doing the press very well, but managing games better. And I think that comes from the coach. Is he a shouter and a screamer? I think like all coaches, if you don't do it or you flagrantly, you know, just decide that you're going to do what you want, I think you might get an earful. You know, it's a little bit like Klopp and Guardiola. Both over tactical coaches, they'll teach their way and their methods to their systems, to their players. Their players don't do it. You're going to know about it, aren't you? So I think with Ranić, you know, we've seen the Leipzig videos of him being in the dressing room and screaming like a general and having a go. And I'm sure those moments will come. I don't believe that's what's happening at the moment. I think he understands that he's managing 25 multi-millionaires. And that's how I always describe it. It's much different to managing guys at Leipzig who are on five grand a week. It really is. It's a totally different mindset, but you've got to get the best out of them. So with Bruno Fernandes, yeah, I would be sitting Bruno down and saying, Bruno, you're a very good player. You know, might be some debate about whether you're world-class or not, but it doesn't matter what that's the debate. It's a, I believe in you. You're my guy. You're going to do this. I want you to do X, Y, and Z. You've got the energy to press. Now go and press in the right areas. That's what I would be saying if I was him. But yeah, later on down the line, if he's not doing it, He's getting an earful, isn't he? He's going to get told by his manager that he needs to be better. Otherwise, United will lose games. And what will happen? Ranić will be a failure. I don't think this coach believes that he will let himself be a failure under those circumstances. I think he'd rather put players on the bench and say, right, I will go with someone who's lesser than you because they're going to do as they're told. And I'm good with that. I want a coach that actually does that. I think that's maybe where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer fell down a little bit. 
Attention parents and students, we have an incredible exclusive offer from our friends at ProPrep. This is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering, or maths related modules. It can halve your study time. ProPrep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed from any device at any time. It's already helped over 500,000 students pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions, so you'll be ready. You can even submit questions to the ProPrep professors and receive a video answer within 24 hours. ProPrep created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk slash info slash football for more information. And our listeners can sign up for a 30-day free trial now, no credit card information required. That's proprep.uk slash info slash football pro prep the ultimate study tool rob let's move on to looking at some agent comments of late uh anthony martial and anderson cavani uh have been maybe more in martial's case this is uh i think his uh his agent came out earlier this week and essentially said anthony wishes to leave the club in january he just needs to play he doesn't want to stay and I'll speak to the club soon. So Martial came in, he's been here for a few years now, had real spells of great form, um, but overall hasn't really delivered when he's been needed to most and he's lost his place in the team. Fair enough. He's at the age, he's in his mid-20s now, 25, 26, I think. And at this stage of his career, he probably does need to play. But you know, we'll look at Martial first before Cavani. Uh, Ranić came out with a response to that when he was asked in a press conference, saying uh, the player hasn't spoke to me or with us about it. And to be honest, what his agent says via media is not of interest to me. Uh, he wants to hear from the player directly. So, you know, we'll talk about Cavani in a little bit, but Anthony Martial at the moment, do you think this is the end of the road for him? Yes, and I think actually the the futures of Martial and Cavani are kind of intertwined. And the reason why I say that is that I do think there was a feeling coming out of Manchester United that obviously they're going to look at striker options in both the January transfer window and next summer, but certainly with a, a certain Erlen Haaland potentially on the market, but even Harry Kane potentially being on the market. There are options there to upgrade significantly around the striker position. And I think that's bleak, obviously, for for Anthony Martial and, and Edison Cavani, especially the, the age and contract situations of both. Uh, I think with Martial, he's a guy who is packed with talent, who's just never really found his niche at Manchester United. So all the things that he does well just do not stylistically fit what United want to do. And in the position that he wants to play, he wants to be the number nine, he wants to be the striker, but if you're playing a high press and you're playing the energy game, it's a similar issue to maybe what Cristiano Ronaldo has now. It's just kind of not his game to play the high press. Can he do it? Yes. Does he want to do it? No. So this is kind of the balance, I think, for Ranić to find with all the players. But I think with Martial, there might now be a stark realisation from him that he's not really part of Manchester United's long-term plans. If the, if the club intend to change their style to become more pressing, like City, like Liverpool, which I think is the right road to go down, then probably Anthony Martial doesn't fit that. And I, I think when his agent's saying that, 
it's just typical, isn't it? We're coming up to January, agents start talking. People moan about Mini Rola all the time, but all, all, all agents do this. Every agent does it. They talk in the press. It's just that some of them are more amplified than others. Obviously, Raiola being the biggest out of, out of the lot. But I think with Martial's uh, agent, he will be negotiating to get his, 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 um, his player out of the football club. I would not be surprised to see if Martial goes on loan and does a Lingard, you know, goes to a team like West Ham, actually, and plays games, plays 20 or 30 games the rest of the season, might score you 15 goals. And then suddenly what's happening? End of the season, United are going, hmm, do you want to come back? You know, do we really want to sever this relationship? Uh, I think United fans, a bit like Lingard last season, will be okay if he leaves the football club permanently. Um, and and it's sad, really, because he is a talented guy. But I don't know, could you use him as a make weight with Bruce Dortmund in the summer? You know, I think that he would suit Dortmund's style in the Bundesliga. I think he score a load of goals in the Bundesliga. It suits him down to the ground. Um, if you want to go and get someone like Haaland, you're going to have to put together a really interesting package to beat the rest of the teams after the Norwegian player. Interesting you should say that, Rob. Uh, I believe uh, 90 Min uh, reported something along those lines a, a matter of weeks ago around Bruce Lee Dortmund's potential interest in Martial, but it seems like they're looking at a summer deal uh, because Haaland isn't going to leave before the end of the season, I don't think. But it does look as though he will have a lot of clubs after him. And Mino Raiola, as you mentioned there, came out earlier this week and name-dropped think it was might have been Bayern who've since distanced themselves from him uh Manchester City Real Madrid and Barcelona who are all potential clubs that he could go to but United's interest is there Ranić being there you know it's the <laughs> we we joked uh last week about a United just hiring managers to try and sign Erling Haaland after Oli's relationship and Ranić knows him as well we'll see how it goes but I think that's an interesting option uh if Martial can be brought into a deal as a make weight, maybe we'll see. But I think a lot depends on how successful United are this season, whether they can tempt Erling Haaland to come across or not, right? Yeah, totally. And uh, I'll say this, that Raiola did correct himself. I think it was via Twitter um, afterwards, because obviously those comments came out and everyone thought that that discounted Manchester United because he went along the lines of saying Man City have won five titles in X amount of years and, and United haven't. And then he kind of said afterwards, ah, no, I didn't mean any of that. What I meant was that the, my client, my player, will go to one of the top 15 clubs in the world. Of course. Top 15? United. Did he say top that's 15? That's what he said. I think he said top 15. He said top 15 clubs in the world. And it's a kind of, it's, it's, a, it's again, it's just a, it's just a soundbite, isn't it? It's not, it's not reality. You know, it's, it, he'll have lots of clubs after him. And yeah, it might well be 15 clubs. When you think about it, maybe the top four or five in, in England, maybe the, the, the top one in France, maybe the top two in Spain, maybe the top two in Italy. It's probably around 15. You've had Bayern Munich to the mix there. Um, and it's a case of just seeing what happens because it's always going to be money. The release clause is a little bit of a red herring because even if there's a release clause there, if you've got 15 clubs bidding, then it's going to go to the highest bidder, isn't it? So there's going to be that. And that's where Martial could be interesting because if Dortmund fancy him and like him and think they'd like to take him on as a project and bring him into their football club, you could always chuck him in as a mate weight. And, and that takes you over the top. That gives you something unique over the other football clubs who are just offering the cash up front. You can offer a player with that cash. Interesting one on Haaland as well. Uh, Dortmund, there is will be a release clause in his deal. 
uh, that will be able to be triggered, I think is around 65 million pounds, 64 million pounds, 75 million euros, something along those lines. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Dortmund are not open to potentially other offers, which are greater than that sum, but staggered over the course of two, three, four years or whatever. And if you can throw a player in an exchange as well, that increases the value of the deal too. So it, it'll be interesting to see uh, what Anthony Martial does. I think he'll, the wages he's on, I don't really see him leaving the club permanently now uh, or in January, but maybe in the summer we'll see some big change. I think it's one of Rangnick's uh, big tasks, isn't it, to, to trim this squad. And speaking of trimming um, and making space for a striker, Edison Cavani, uh, has been he signed a new deal in the summer, but has been linked consistently with a move to South America. I think Boca Juniors were linked with him six months ago. There's a strong number of links to teams in Brazil at the moment, and I think that's been addressed. And Barcelona are on the you know the new fangled Barcelona who sign aging strikers to uh, you know spearhead their new project. Luke de Jong at Barcelona is still really weird to me, but um, Cavani would be a better option for them. So you can see why they possibly would be interested, right? Yeah, I, I think as well, it's it's a lot of this is about playing time. So I think we all know that 4-2-2-2 suits Cavani down to the ground. But does Ranić decide he's going to go forward with Ronaldo plus one, which we all think it is, and is that Rashford? So... That this is kind of the biggest call, isn't it, out of all of it? Because Rashford's not been particularly great recently. Um, and we know Cavani can do that pressing game. So do you keep Cavani? Or is Cavani now ready to maybe go to another club and be the top guy? Because I think that's the difference with the the situation with Cristiano. Is that Cristiano comes to the football club, he takes Cavani's number, he takes Cavani's place, and you've got nothing left for Cavani. So we saw that he he turned down Boca Juniors not so long ago. Those conversations are all still being had. And I think that, that my personal hunch on this and bits that I've heard is that Cavani will leave the football club. I think that's going to happen. I think that'll probably happen, obviously, up in January. And I think United will be willing to let him go because he's a big earner. But you don't really want big earners on your bench. What you want on your bench are small earners. You want young lads pushing the senior players. You don't really want a 34-year-old on incredible money who gets injured every three or four weeks. So that will be something I think that will come to mutual consent and that contract will get cancelled and Cavani will be on his way. Yeah, you've seen uh, from Ranić over the past few games that he's seems to have taken a liking to Anthony Alanga. He's talked about uh, players on their first or second contracts being the right players to give chances to. We saw Ahmad play against young boys in the Champions League. Missed a good chance, but he did. I think he did okay. Um, so we're waiting to see what kind of opportunities will open up for players like that. But obviously with the likes of Ronaldo, Cavani, Rashford, Martial, all of these different players in these front positions, it, it's not, it hasn't really been too much of a chance for these players to stand out and get a chance. So we'll see how it goes. But moving on from potential exits... Well, we'll stay on it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw dream scenario January transfers at you, Rob, because we are on we're mid December. Um, the speculation is already starting to ramp up regarding outs, but potential ins as well. Amadou Haidara's name is still being linked with United. What do you think? Obviously, Ranik has come out and said essentially that January is a difficult window to do business in. 
And the only real scenario that they think they would move in is if they see a target that they would want in the summer available for a price that they think they could get a player for in the summer as well. They didn't want to pay over the odds, this kind of stuff. What do you think uh, the club will be looking to do in January? I think the club, honestly, would be looking to do very little. But like you just said there, and Randy, obviously what Randy's comments were, I think they're really salient because I think when you look at what happened with the Bruno Fernandes model when they got hold of Bruno, it was someone who was obviously an existing target and there was then the opportunity to do that deal because Sporting wanted the money, United wanted the player, it all kind of falls together and you get what you want. I think that when we look forward in the next four months and let's say the United do well, they get to where they want to go. Let's say Ranić gets the job full time because I think that's still very much on the table. I think United will be looking at that midfield position. So if you're looking at 4-2-2-2 as being the system, but Ranić, I think, will also want to play 4-3-3, he will be looking for alternatives in that system. So I don't think you're going to find um, too many defensive changes. Like I think United now have two viable fullbacks on each side. I think when you look at what Deleu and Tellez do in the 4-2-2-2, it works. Uh, and they've done okay, obviously, in their, their opening gambits under the manager. Uh, and, you know, United have got centre-backs coming out their ears. Try and keep Varane fit. That's really important. But then you kind of look at how do you marry up the top end of the pitch. Um, and, and I think it is like the, the Bruno Fernandes question again. We're going back to that. It's it's do you have a creator who can press? So really, you would you would love a Bernardo Silva. That's what you need. You need someone of that ilk. You're not going to get him, obviously, from Man City. But you need someone that can really commit to that press, but do it in an organised fashion and then get goals and assists. Now, Bruno can do that. He can do that. Dream scenario, I would love someone like Tillemans from Leicester. Someone like that who you would be able to play as both the six and the eight. He can press. He can score. He can create. He's a unit. He can do all sorts of things. So that is the kind of player that I would like United to go after. But are you going to get a player of that standard in January? The answer really is no, you're not. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Ranić in January bring in maybe some of his old guys, people that he knows, players that he knows that can do certain roles. Because I think it is about role players in this system. And, you know, it, it will be a Red Bull player, no doubt about it. It will be someone that he's worked with. That Red Bull um, squad system throughout all the Red Bull clubs are all interlinked. I would not be surprised to see him go back to his old ground and try and raid players who fit that system because that's what he's tried to implement through Red Bull. Uh, Imagine United are now effectively a Red Bull football club. (laughs) Manchester Red Bull. Interesting. Um, You mentioned Yuri Tielemans there. I think his name will be interesting over the next few months. I think... I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you're listening to this and I've got this wrong, but I think he's got 18 months left on his contract just over. I think he might be out of contract in 2023. Mm-hmm. So you would think that in the next eight months or something like that, he will be on the move, especially with Leicester not really playing that well at the moment and struggling in Europe. They've also gone out of the Europa League and they're in the Conference League. But with a year left on his deal, he's already said that he would really weigh up his options and like to move to a bigger club. Yeah, Manchester United have spoken to him in the past and the not-so-distant past as well. Obviously, when he went to Leicester, he was up for several Premier League teams were looking at him. And and that was more on reputation rather than anything else. He'd come through, obviously, in a league. Uh, he'd done well. People liked him. They liked his style. It was just that whether could he do it in the Premier League. 
I think he's proved over the last couple of years he can. You know, he's, he's a he's a very comfortable midfielder. He's got from that Belgian background now, obviously, where every Belgian player seems to be amazing. Um, and he's worked his way through that system and he's very, very good. And he would be the right fit for this United midfield especially if you're playing that system. Systems are all important here. One of the things that Ranić says is that you fit systems to players, but I don't actually believe him. Um, generally, I think the top coaches, they, they have their system and they try and find players that work in their system. And we know that Ranić's got two or three systems and Tillisman's would be perfect for them. So, you know, what are you going to have to pay someone uh, for someone like him? You know, Leicester City are a rich football team. They don't need to take anyone's money. But you're going to have to pay, what, 80 million? You know, if you're going to look at him, even if you looked at someone like maybe a Ruben Neves, maybe a slightly different player, you're still probably going to have to pay around 50-odd around there. And there are other options in central midfield. Everyone talks about McFred as being the problem, and that's something that United fans constantly bark on about. I actually think they're the two guys that stay in the squad because they're the runners. They'll do the work. They'll be the number sixes. You just need someone else in there to go and do, to kind of do the more progressive work. Um, and then there's also this guy called Paul Pogba. Like, you know, maybe he'll be the big signing in January. Maybe he'll be the guy that pens a big new contract. Because I think we are still hearing the positivity from his camp. It isn't a complete he's off. It is. He wants to know what United want to do with him. And I think that's the bigger question. Do you, Man United, actually really want Paul Pogba? Um, he's been offered a contract. It's not the terms he wanted. Is he going to get a bigger set of terms? I don't know. But knowing Man United, they quite often offer bigger terms in the 11th hour. And most agents do know that. We won't go too into depth on Paul Pogba today. He's not been in the squad uh, recently because of injury. Rafa Ranić has spoken out about him and his uh, decision to train abroad. I think he would have said that. I think he said that he wouldn't do that. But you know, I don't think we'll know what's happening with Paul Pogba for a good few months yet. But we will see. Maybe they can convince him to put pen to paper on that deal because, as you say, the deal is on the table. But there will be other clubs sniffing around him as well. He's just oh, got just over six months left on his contract. So we will see what happens there. But Rob, to finish up today. A little thing yesterday, or was recording on Tuesday, this was done on Monday, called the Champions League draw, was botched. Um, <laughs> interesting fashion. I mean, our day at 90 Min was a weird one, knowing that obviously we were covering it to start with and then, you know, seemed like a few things went wrong. We actually did a, a live reaction to it and without sound uh, on our YouTube channel and we didn't really know what was going on, but we saw that United came out against Villarreal and we thought we were like, that that can't happen. Why why has that happened? <laughs> so then they, they pulled out another team and we didn't really know what was going on. But yeah, they made the decision after botching the draw and blaming it on software, which was quite convenient for UEFA. Uh, they made the decision to redraw the entire thing and United ended up with Atletico Madrid. So interesting one, because we've not seen this game for, I think it was 1991. This has been a long time coming. United always do seem to get drawn with teams that they played against somewhat recently. PSG, that you know, you've seen United PSG loads of times in recent years. So I think it's a tough game, but I it might be a bit boring as well. I don't know how you think, but um it's it's an interesting one to see Atletico Madrid come to Old Trafford. It is interesting. I'd have been quite happy to see Messi come to Old Trafford. I am 
one of those football fans who wants to see the best players at our football ground all the time. So if you draw PSG and you get Messi, Mbappe and Neymar coming to, to Manchester, I'm all down for that. So when I saw the, the, the draw, I was quite happy. I thought that's a, it's, a, it's a good narrative. It's, it's a bit of fun. Atletico Madrid are going to be a tough, tough match. I don't think they're going to be as tough as PSG. I've, again, I've seen lots of people say, oh, this is a harder game for United. We know what Simeone does. We know he'll be more defensive. They're not in their best moment, though come January, February, March, they might be a lot better. And of course, now the storyline is about Luis Suarez coming back to Manchester. So, you know, if he's fit, that will be a huge storyline in terms of um, obviously his history with our football club and how it goes. But I think it's an okay draw for United. I think they'll look at Atletico and they're the kind of team that I think Ranić will like playing against. System versus system. I think Ranić will look at Simeone and go, right, we can do certain things against your team that maybe we couldn't do against PSG. Um, PSG also, there's always that possibility that they can just have a flyer and smash you because they've got these three talented players. Whereas I think Atletico have got to be in their best moment in their own system to beat you. So a really tough game, um, but a winnable game for Manchester United. And really now that it's about trying to get United's own personal form back to where it should be. Because if you get to the Champions League, then over the other side of Christmas, you could go on a bit of a run. You know, if you beat Atletico, the, the tournament's there for you to go and win. And I still believe this. I still think that if United can sort out the bits and pieces behind the scenes, the Champions League is the most realistic trophy they can win this season, along with the FA Cup. So uh, it, it's a good set of circumstances for, for United. And it will be interesting in the weeks ahead. Full of interesting narratives. The Antoine Griezmann could have signed for United in 2018 or 2017 narrative. The Kieran Trippier could have signed for United in 2021 narrative. The Sol Negres might even be back there. Uh, United were linked with him uh, consistently. And he's, the word is that Chelsea are going to send him back to Atletico after failing to impress. Uh, so there's loads of narratives all over this draw. You've got Ramos going back to Madrid. You've got Mbappe going to Madrid when he could move there in six months. It's an interesting draw overall. It is an interesting draw. And you know what? PSG are going to go to go to Real Madrid and absolutely smash them. That's what's going to happen. I think so, of course. The, the, the momentum is with them in terms of talent. But I just think, again, when you look at Messi going there, Ramos going there, that they know what they have to do against Real Madrid. Real Madrid are a good team. They're not a great team. You know, they, they are on the rebuild, a bit like Barcelona in the sense of, of stuff they have to do. They're in a better moment. They're doing better than than maybe some people thought they might do at this stage of the season. I think it's it's interesting to see, again, in three months' time, how you predict these things because you can't. Because if you get injuries or stuff changes, then, of course, it's a different set of circumstances. But I think PSG are in a in a much, much stronger position. And I think you know PSG would have been the favourites against United. They would have been just simply because of the talent levels. So I think that they will go to Real Madrid and that whole thing about Messi going to the Bernabeu and, as you said, Sergio Ramos, you, you couldn't write it, could you? This is, a, this is as big as it gets. I'll tell you what, one thing I am uh, quite uh, grateful about is the Messi versus Ronaldo circus uh, not quite being there yet. I mean, I've seen that so many times before over the last few years. Uh, it's just, gets a bit too much for me. Just one, just one thing I wanted to mention, um, Victor Lindelof, uh, you know, Bit of a concern around him at Norwich. Uh, it seems as though I think his his wife has done a blog post on Monday, Tuesday, and 
said that he's been wearing a heart monitor for a couple of days. So we do wish him all of the very best and we hope to see him back soon because um, that was a bit concerning seeing him uh, on the pitch like that, um, especially after everything that's gone on with around football over the last few months uh, with heart issues and that kind of thing. Rob, do you have any uh, final thoughts uh, today that you want to uh, run into to, to discuss or anything like that? Or shall we wrap up? No, we'll wrap up. I just think I'd say about Victor Lindelof there as well. It's kind of deplorable when pundits question via their own social media what a player has experienced in that moment. We saw what happened with Victor Lindelof. It was very confusing, very worrying. Yet certain pundits have come out on major platforms and and questioned it, questioned what was happening in that moment. Was was Lindelof not faking it, but but how how much of a problem did he have? That's disgusting. That's not what we should be doing in football. We have to be safe, first and foremost, whether it be COVID, where we've seen heart problems now litter football in recent times because we monitor players better than we ever have before. That's been the, the, the issue. No player should have to go out on a football pitch and die because they're not being looked after properly. So let's hope with Victor Lindelof that it's nothing serious. It could just be an infection, could just be something in terms of his breathing. Let's hope he's okay. I think the general consensus at the moment is that he is okay, but of course he will be monitored. Um, but just looking forward for United, I think it's a it's a good Christmas programme if it happens. If it doesn't happen, then I think at least Ranit will have time to absolutely get the videotape ready and get these guys watching and being ready for the new campaign or the new the new year once Christmas is over and done with because there's still tons of football to play. Might be nice for the players to have a nice little Christmas winter break, but I don't really know if that will happen unless it's absolutely forced. But we will see when United will be back in action. Uh, as we've mentioned at the top of the show, the match against Brentford has been postponed uh, due to COVID issues in the United camp. And... There are also COVID issues in the Brighton camp too, which means that United's home game against Brighton on Saturday is, as of recording time, currently at risk. So we will we'll see when United are next in action. Uh, but you know, the more games that are cancelled off, uh, the more clutter there will be later on. But you know, in the circumstances, health of the players and the staff is the most important thing. And I think David de Gea in his pre-match press conference. Um, after the Norwich game, when asked about Victor Lindelof, really responded quite well. You know, health comes first and this kind of stuff. So uh, fingers crossed uh, the cases are cleared up pretty soon and, you know, we can get on with the football because we all want to watch it over Christmas, but we will see. Uh, remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised MU. Uh, thank you very much to our sponsors, Pro Prep. And uh, we will see you soon, guys, because uh, we wrapped up today. But um, we will be back probably to do some more January transfer chat, I would think. And we'll we'll look around and dissect any games that United participate in over the next few weeks. Um, but from Rob and from me, thank you very much. And we'll see you soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.